Well, for the last week, last week I should say, uh, we began preparing for Christmas. We talked about anticipating Christmas. And I commented and will say again, it's, it's looking a lot like Christmas. Uh, that lifts some of your hearts and your spirits. You love this time of year for all the festivities and for this season. And at GPC, we're trying to highlight the gospel beauty of this season. What we really believe God has done in time and space for His people through the work of His Son. And I've told you that I'm going to highlight the themes of Advent each week. And last week, I highlighted the theme of hope. And we looked at hope in this world versus hope in the Bible, hope in the gospel. And this morning, I'm going to highlight again that sometimes, you maybe heard it said that the church and the world share a vocabulary of words. We use the same words, but we have a different dictionary. We define our terms a little differently sometimes. That was true last week as we spoke about hope and saw that the Bible talks about hope in a way that the world doesn't understand. And that's going to be true again this morning as we talk about peace. We share the language of peace. Uh, The world uses the language of peace. The church and the scriptures certainly use the language of peace. But are we sharing a dictionary of how we define the terms? So defining our terms is important. We're going to begin with Scripture this morning from Isaiah chapter 9 and then Isaiah chapter 53. Give your attention to God's Word. How beautiful, I'm sorry, Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 53. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then in Isaiah 53, But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds we are healed. Let's pray together that the Lord will bless the use of His Word. Lord, would You open our eyes to see? Would You give us ears to hear? Would You soften our stubborn and rebellious hearts that we might know the power and the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ? And we pray it in His name. Amen. So sometimes we share words, we share vocabulary, but we define our terms differently. Imagine yourself, oh, let's say getting on an airplane. And you sit down next to somebody and you introduce yourself and, and you learn that he's from the United Kingdom. And you, of course, being an American, being friendly, strike up a conversation. And somehow that conversation comes to the subject of football. And you ask, do you like football? To the person from the UK. And they say, what? (laughs) Love football. And you start talking about the things you both enjoy. Maybe you both played 
back in the day. And oh, I, I love the smell of the grass. Love the lights in the stadium. And he's like, yes, I love that too. I love the sound of the fans cheering. I love the enthusiasm. I love the, the lines on the field. And you're both just agreeing and nodding your head. Yes, we're talking about the same thing. And then the UK guy says, and I love that round white ball. And suddenly you say, what? We're talking football here. We're talking about a brown oval-shaped object. And suddenly you realize that for what for them is football is for us soccer. And we're talking about two similar but different things. Well, that is true in so many ways with themes of the Bible, language of the Bible, our biblical understanding, and then the world's understanding in use of the term. And peace is one of the examples of those words that have different meaning. So the dictionary would define peace like this. A quiet and calm state of mind. Now it says other things, but I think that's the most typical thing we think of in our world when we think of peace. It's a quiet and calm state of mind. Glenn Fry and the Eagles sang of what? A peaceful, easy feeling. Right? A peaceful, easy feeling. Is that, is that peace? Is that what the Bible is talking about when it says peace, an easy feeling? I don't think so. So I have three points for us this morning to turn our attention towards Christmas and Christmas peace. And the first is this, Christmas peace, what it is and what it isn't. So let me start with the isn't. So those who are my age or older, you'll remember, I think, this commercial that was in my mind all week preparing this sermon. But in the 1970s, Coca-Cola had a very popular commercial. And it sounded something like this. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. That's the real thing. Do you remember this commercial? I thought I was going to sing it, but I chickened out there and decided to read it. <laughs> but it's peace. It's peace, love, and happiness, y'all. Right? That's the world's peace. It sounds good, and it's sweet, and it makes for a great commercial. But is that what the Bible's talking about when it talks about peace? Jesus distinguishes his peace from the world. He says that there is a peace that is distinctively his and that he shares it with his people. And it is much more than apple trees and honeybees and white turtle doves and ice-cold Coca-Cola. In John chapter 14, verse 27, I believe it was our call to worship this morning, Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world does. 
do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So the Lord's peace is distinguished from the peace of the world. It's different. It's unique to him and he gives it to his people. And when he gives his peace, he says it deals with our troubles and with our fears. He says, do not be troubled, let not your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So suddenly, peace gets very close to home. It gets close to our own hearts. It's the things that trouble us. It's the fears that we have from within. Jesus says his peace pushes those things out of the way. They make them neutral in our lives. That's a powerful statement. That's an overwhelming statement. But that's the kind of peace that Jesus says he offers. That's the peace of the Bible. It's a beautiful, overwhelming peace. It's a distinct peace. Now I need you to think with me. Best illustration I have would be, have you had that occasion? I'm speaking to coffee drinkers right now. I'm hoping I'm hitting the majority of you. Have you had that opportunity where maybe you're traveling, you're away from home, you're out of town, out of your routine, and you've just got to have a cup of coffee in the morning? And so let's call it gas station coffee. Can we call it gas station coffee? So you, you go in and you get what they have to offer. And it's watered down and disappointing. Um, I'm trusting you've had an experience like that. I want you to think about that watered-down, disappointing cup of coffee, but it's all that there was, and it was all to be offered. It's all that's available, and so it'll have to do. On the one hand, I think that's the world's peace. It's peace-ish, right? Calm, sweet moments, feel okay about things. That's the world's peace. It's, it's a watered-down cup of coffee, and on the other hand, I want you to think about the peace that Jesus says he distinctively offers, that he alone can offer, the deep peace. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, you've heard this word used. Concerning peace, it's the word shalom, right? Shalom. The New Testament obviously has a different word. It's a different language, but it's a very similar meaning. But that language is really rich and robust. It's full-bodied language to continue the theme of coffee. So think of that robust, rich cup of coffee that is embodied with all kinds of flavor and, and it warms your heart and warms your soul. It overwhelms your sleepy spirit with goodness. That's the difference between shalom and the kind of peace that the world is offering. Shalom is defined in this way. Listen to how full-bodied and full-orbed it is. Wholeness, completeness, rest, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, harmony, lack of worry, the absence of discord. That's the full-bodied meaning to this word shalom that the Bible uses to introduce us to kingdom peace, the kind of peace that God offers his, his people. So it's a bit of a crude illustration, but if you're a coffee drinker, perhaps it works for you. The world offers you the best that it has to offer, a very simple understanding of peace. 
And the gospel in the person of Jesus offers us the real, full, robust, fully embodied cup of coffee that brings life into your soul. That's the difference that we're talking about this morning. And I'm calling it Christmas peace. The shalom, the Christmas peace that is of God and that is of Christ. This kind of peace was introduced to us in the New Testament when Jesus was born. It was the pronouncement of peace that things were about to change. And that pronouncement comes in Luke chapter 2. And you know this, you've heard this. You're familiar with it. Some of you could quote it. I'm going to read it. It says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, here it is, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, what? Peace on whom his favor rests. This is the great pronouncement that God is doing something from heaven for earth in the coming of the Christ, the expected Messiah. And it's a pronouncement of peace. This child, somehow, some way, to be revealed in the pages that follow, is going to bring peace to those on whom his favor rests. A particular people, which would prove to be his church. It's a beautiful pronouncement of peace, and it, dis it is distinctly Jesus's. He has it, and he offers it. And that peace is so powerful. I want you to think about what you know of of the church's response to this peace. It enables us to sing and to say in faith that all is well. Everything's going to be okay. It is going to be okay in the end. Ultimately, it is going to be okay for you if you are in Christ. So whatever you're living through, whatever trouble, whatever fear... You're going to be okay if you are in Christ. Because with Him comes this overwhelming peace. A peace that enables us to say, all is well, because God has come. Michael W. Smith has a poem slash song titled, All is Well. I don't know if I have a slide for it or not. But it says this, All is well, all is well. Let there be peace on earth. Christ is come, so go and tell that he is in the manger. All is well, all is well. Lift up your voice and sing. Born is now Emmanuel. Born is our Lord and Savior. Can you say that by faith? Maybe you're living through something really 
horrific right now. Or maybe you have lived through something really horrific. Are you able in the center of your heart to be able to say, this is horrific, but all is well. All is well. Because Emmanuel has come. He brings a peace that I am ultimately going to be okay. And it's the Christian who can say that by faith. And the world doesn't understand it. The world thinks it's crazy. But that's what we believe in the church. All is well. Whatever it is God has his people live through, ultimately, you're going to be just fine. Because Christmas peace has been purchased for you. Second point, the cost of this Christmas peace. What does it cost? What does it cost to have this kind of peace that can transform a life? What does shalom cost? Well, for us, it costs us nothing. The most valuable thing that can be had cannot be purchased by us. It's given. It's given. Listen to Isaiah again. Beautiful prophecy. Chapter 55, verse 1 says this. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. What a generous offer. You don't have money to purchase it, so come. Receive it without money, without cost. That's the peace of Christmas. You can't purchase it. You can't purchase it with money and you can't purchase it with your own good works. It is the beautiful provision of God himself to his people. So what does it cost us? It costs us nothing. Shalom costs us nothing. But what did it cost Christ to provide that shalom? Well, it cost him everything. Costs us nothing, cost him everything. The hymn from Charles Wesley, two hymns from Charles Wesley, I'll quote this morning, but the hymn, And Can It Be? He says this, what did it cost Christ? He left his Father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace. He emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for, oh my God, it found out me. Maybe you've never thought of that hymn for saying precisely what it's saying. He emptied himself of everything. He gave up everything except for his love for his church. And he came and he bled and he died for his church that they might have the shalom of God, the peace of God, the full-orbed, deep-bodied peace that overcomes every fear and every trouble that can haunt us in this life. It cost him everything. Listen again to what Isaiah has said in the prophecies. Isaiah chapter 53. What did it cost him to purchase this for us? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us shalom, that brought us peace, the punishment was on him. For by his wounds we are healed. Do you see it? Everything necessary to purchase this shalom, this kind of gospel peace, 
We don't have it. We don't have the resources. And he laid down everything to purchase it for us. If you believe in him, if you trust him, the shalom of God belongs to you, whatever your circumstances in life. This is Christmas peace, and the cost of it was severe. And I'll put it this way. This Christmas peace was really won through what I'll call Christmas warfare. Christmas peace won through Christmas warfare. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, another song slash poem. Um, I loved this back in the day, but it's a song or a poem that was written by Michael Card called The Dragon Slayer. Some of you maybe know this. I think it's beautiful. But this is what I mean by Christmas warfare. I think I have the lyrics for you. The star-led wizards, that's the magi, the star-led wizards came to see who might this newborn dragon slayer be. He'd come the serpent's lies to cease to win for us a never-ending peace. Shalom. The serpent reared his ugly head in the stillness of the garden to bite the dragon slayer's heel and to defeat his plan of pardon. But the mighty one provided for the fallen ones instead, and the quest began to slay the beast to finally crush his head. The dragon sought to take the child of the woman clothed in sunlight, a reference to Revelation 12. But once again, the king stepped in and began to fight the last fight. And so the battle raged between the heavens and the sky, and the dragon was defeated, and at last was doomed to die. That's Christmas warfare. That's why the Christ child came, was to defeat that serpent Genesis says, that dragon, the book of Revelation says. The Christ child came as a warrior king to fight for his people, to fight for those who would be his bride and his church, those on whom his favor rests, the scripture says. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to know that that shalom wasn't purchased by you it was purchased by this dragon slayer, this child come to do spiritual battle and warfare. The peace of knowing. Here it is in a word. The peace of knowing that you and all of your sin has been reconciled to God. God has brought you near to himself in Christ Jesus. And the shalom of God belongs to you. Reconciliation. The beautiful promise of what God has done for us in Christ. So, third and final point. Christmas peace. What does it offer us? What does this shalom really and truly offer us? I'm going to give you two things. The shalom of God offers us the power of peace. And I'm going to define that power like this. It is the calm available to you in any storm. And it is the confidence that can take you to the very end. 
to the end of your life, to your death. The shalom of God offers you something. The peace of God offers you calm in any storm, no matter how horrific it is, and it gives you the ability to endure to the very end, however difficult it may be. I have a real-life example from this, from this very week, actually from since Friday. Uh, and it's somewhat personal, but I want to share it with you because it's real and it's true. So on Friday, I received the news that a former student of mine at Erskine College passed away at 36 years of age. His wife is a former student at Erskine as well. Um, and, and the wife posted this. So I want you to just think with me for a moment. 36-year-old woman married to a 36-year-old man, two young children. I think the ages are six and eight. Her husband dies, and she posts this publicly on her social media so that everyone is aware of what happens. She says this, Many of you are aware that my husband, Brad, had been undergoing a stem cell transplant treatment at Duke University in hopes of healing his body from the effects of systemic sclerosis. I'm heartbroken to share that following some unexpected and grave complications, my precious husband went home to the arms of his Savior yesterday morning. Brad passed into glory, surrounded by loving family members, and is finally free from the pains and trials of this earthly world. His faith had strengthened significantly throughout the trials of the last year of his life. And so I will end with words that he himself wrote just a few days ago in his final update. And these are his last words that he shared. And I praise my Savior all the day long that he is with me, strengthens me, guides me, and reminds me of his eternal care for me in this life and in the life to come. Christmas peace, the shalom of God. It calms us in the most horrific circumstances. It carries us to the end. That's the shalom that Jesus, the dragon slayer, came to provide for his church. And so my question for you is, is this concept foreign to you? Does it sound like something you don't know? Do you know the peace of God? Or does it seem distant to you? How can you have this peace of God? And that's the final thing I want to say. The power of peace is offered to you in the Prince of Peace. The scriptures call Jesus the Prince of Peace. That is to say the ruler with authority over peace, over shalom. And Jesus says he freely and fully offers that peace to all who will trust in him. To all those who will take the, the, the peace of this life and put it aside and take up him by faith. To take up the Prince of Peace, to put your faith in him. And this morning, it all comes to the table the table where he offers himself to his church, a reminder, a sacrament in his body and blood that he purchased shalom for those who believe in him. So consider if, 
peace seems foreign to you, if the shalom of God seems too good to be true, you've, you've never touched and tasted and felt that kind of peace in this life. Jesus offers it to those who believe in him, to those who trust him. Don't let it be a foreign, unknown peace. God is to be known. He's to be believed. He's to be trusted. He sent his son that you might have shalom in this very life. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says this. If God is for us, who or what can be against us? That's a statement that drips of shalom. What can defeat you if God himself is for you? You have the shalom, the peace of God when you trust a God who loves you and who has purchased you in that way. Let's pray together and then we're going to close in song. Lord, I give you thanks. We give you thanks that we are not left to flounder in this life with false and petty hopes or with false and petty peace. We thank you for the Prince of Peace. We thank you for the power of peace. We thank you for the promise that you have reconciled sinners to yourself. That warfare has resulted in peace. Your warfare against our sin and the one who brought it into the world. So Lord, would you fill our hearts with Christmas peace? May we sing maybe like never before that there is something to be had in you that grants the shalom we're dying for. And we ask this and we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen.